Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Lorena Benitez has been a reporter in northeastern Pennsylvania forever and ever. Is that not true, Lorena? It is, and actually my... My story started with WILK as a reporter for you guys. My great gravy Marie. Uh, First of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. And second of all, I want to tell the people your book, which is new, is called Lost Coal Country of Northeastern Pennsylvania. And I guess when we we cover the news, some of us become fascinated by what we discover and we like to tell other people. So uh, talk about the... The WILK connection, first of all, and and how that drew you into our beautiful history. Well, I was actually uh, raised in West Wyoming and Dallas, Pennsylvania. So I was exposed to our lovely history young because I'm actually the great-granddaughter of a coal miner from northeastern Pennsylvania. And as a reporter, I didn't actually do many stories on coal at all. And the one time I got to do, the one time I got to do a story on Centralia was for Halloween. And it it just, it, it entranced me. I just couldn't get enough of it, kept going back. But even way before that, as a college, uh, college student, I kept going back to the Huber Breaker to hone my photography skills. So, um... From there, 30 years ago, now we finally have a book. It took a while, but we got there. You know, some things are just worth waiting for. All right, there's so much to, <laughs> There's so much of this heritage, Lorena, as you mentioned, in northeastern Pennsylvania. And I would bet that a lot of people know what you're talking about when you say Centralia. But then there are other people who say Senwatra. And I, I want you to start with that particular story because it is so compelling, and it was one of these things where, uh, of course, people had a reluctance to leave Centralia, but they did. So when you went there, talk about uh, what you saw and why you decided that that was one of the centerpieces of your book. You know, it's funny. When, I, when I've when i spoken about Centralia before the book, people will go, huh, well, why are... And I don't know if it's just we've heard so much about it, we don't talk about it anymore to the younger generations, but... When I went to Centralia, I was so amazed by the amount of uh, younger folks that were out there trying to discover history. And they weren't just, you know, Nepaites. They were people from Harrisburg, Pittsburgh, that, you know, were on, you know, taking a trip across the state and decided we had to stop here. So I got over there. And one of the things you don't really see a lot of, though, in Centralia, well, when I last went back, is a lot of smoke coming out of the earth. Um, it's not as easy to find it now, so I think that makes people even more um, energized to get there and find this. And there's a lot of folks out there that are part of the abandonography movement or just visiting abandoned sites, and Centralia is one of the most amazing things going on in terms of that. It's a sad, sad story of you know how things can get out of control, and that's been burning since 1962, so since pretty much the middle of last century. And it doesn't look like they have any way right now of putting that out still. Um, The state is working on it, though. 
um, on at least they're doing a pilot program uh, near uh, Carbondale. That's amazing. But right now, okay, so they're they're using another area to try to figure out a solution to this. But uh, the, I'm I'm just reading America's Encyclopedia here, the Wikipedia. They had a thou- <laughs> they had a thousand residents in 1980, and they had seven in 2013. Uh, when we think about yeah. that kind of uh, mass relocation of people from uh, obviously the homes that they loved and uh, maybe the places where, where they didn't know anywhere else. I remember, Lorena, the the hard fight that went on there to get people shoehorned out of there. And, you know, you, you really can't blame them. I mean, they had been there for generations, and, you know, that's where they had people buried in the cemetery, where they had had, you know, decades of celebrations with their families, and they did. And a lot of them, there's about five left right now. And... And it's really scary even now when you go there how little of that history is visible of what really happened. You see a lot of abandoned buildings, but even compared to just five years ago, things like signs from the residents have disappeared, you know, about how adamant they were about being able to stay in their homesteads. You did uh, also mention another sore spot with many in northeastern Pennsylvania, which was... The Huber Coal Breaker. Now, of course, anybody like yourself, and maybe you'll be honest with us about how deeply you got into that breaker over the course of your photography work, and I think it's safe to talk about it now since it's it's not there anymore. But there was another thing where people, <laughs> they were there were two camps on that. There were people who desperately wanted to save the Huber Breaker, even though it was in horrendous, horrendous condition. And then there were other people who really wanted, uh, let's face it, and they still do, to put a housing development there or something else. So uh, talk about that and uh, that part of your book, Lost Coal Country of Northeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, Well, the Huber was my first muse in terms of, you know, photographing abandoned sites. And when it came down in 2014, I had done my last what I didn't know was my last digital shoot of it. And my mom called me and told me they had taken it down, and I just was crushed inside. It was dangerous, though. We were going to the top floors of that Huber back in the 80s and taking pictures, and stairs were broken. And I think the Statue of Limitations have run out, so I think I'm okay here. But it it was an amazing sight to see, and it's it's that physical connection with your your history that makes you really take it, I think, more deeper into your, into what you want to learn about it. Uh, you know, you the Huber didn't necessarily have any breaker boys in it, but, you know, at the time I didn't know that. And you, you couldn't help but think about, you know, you're an 18-year-old there standing and you have such a great life compared to these poor children. And what lives did they have after they got out of that breaker, if they ever did? And some of the stories that you uncovered during research for this book, oh, my goodness, so the one that made me cry and it wasn't necessarily Huber-related. Um, I didn't use it in the book because I could not actually substantiate where the information came from. But a one, one breaker boy is, you know, working on the line and his best friend's next to him. The boy falls to the bottom of the, the coal chute. They don't get him out in time. Uh-huh. He dies. He suffocates from the coal. And they can't stop the line for the day. So they wait till the end of the day to pull, pull this poor kid out of that area to finally, you know, get him, you know, obviously no help at that point. But I can't imagine being that child, losing your best friend, that family, losing your child. I just, it's heartbreaking when you look at our history. 
Yeah, it is. And there were a lot of moments in this history, Lorena, which were exceptionally cruel, as we know. And, and we've mm. we've heard, you know, about uh, somebody being killed and um, their body being tossed on the porch and all kinds of things that are part of uh, the, the absolute uh, downside of a very dangerous industry. Now, on the other side of the table, though, in northeastern Pennsylvania, without anthracite without this industry we probably wouldn't see a lot of the grandeur that we see the homes that were built Mm. uh, the money that was absolutely poured into some of these mansions of of the wealthy and the way that in some cases the the standard of living was raised astronomically because of the benefit of anthracite coal. Absolutely. Not just for our region, but really for the whole of the United States. I honestly did not realize what a role we played in the Industrial Revolution in World War II. I had no idea that, you know, had it not been for that anthracite, we might not be a great nation right now. We don't know how that would have impacted, you know, America, but we had a huge hand, not just in, you know, northeastern Pennsylvania's history, we're American history, and I think a lot of people, you know, we, we tend to forget that again because we look at it, we, we hear about our history every day, and we mostly hear the, the worst side of it. Um, I was very, very excited to hear from Tom Soupy Jr., who is known throughout that region. He's actually the guy who rebuilt the coal mine, the Lackawanna coal mine. He's amazing, third, third generation miner told me the one good thing that came out of this was our work ethic, and we can't forget that. Absolutely not. And a lot of people do talk about the great amount of, of drive and spirit and determination that our people have. And um, sometimes for better or worse, because I know people, Lorena, who absolutely will work and work and work and, and maybe need to, <laughs> need to dial that down a little bit. But you're right. And I think a lot of... The uh, selling points that we do have in northeastern Pennsylvania come from that spirit and that work ethic of any kind of uh, entity that would want to place something here certainly hears the story of how many people here are so determined about employment. You know, the sad thing is, though, I have to say on the flip side of that, Sue, is that as proud as we should be, I think a lot of families really don't discuss our our legacy from coal. My family did not. I really don't know very much about my great-grandfather. And so this was actually my my journey to try and find out a little bit more about my history. I didn't learn about it in high school. Uh, I didn't learn about it in grade school. So I'm hoping that maybe this is a book that, you know, grandparents can share with their grandkids or parents with their kids. And I think the great thing is that you can take this book with you to places where they're not – actual any historical markers to tell you what you're looking at like a concrete city you know it's not a designated historical attraction but you know it's it's neat to know what that history is and you have this kind of not just a history book but it's also a guidebook fill in the people about concrete city oh my goodness that was supposed to be like the modern city of the future which turned out to be a huge disaster i think after like only 11 years they had to shut it down, and it was only for the very, very um, higher echelon employees of either the railroad company or the mining company. And unfortunately, it just 
it did not work out for anybody. I mean, I, I, one story I read, this guy would wake up in the morning and his shirts would be frozen because there was no insulation in these. Like, no, cold northeastern Pennsylvania. So, yeah, it probably would have been helpful. And they, they ended up shutting it down. And when they tried to just kind of get rid of it, they, they stuck some dynamite in one of the homes and they couldn't blow it up. So they just decided, who cares, let's walk away from it. And, and people, just left it yeah, there. And people can still see that today, right? It's near. Absolutely. Near Nico, correct. And it's on Google Maps, which is the neat thing. <laughs> yeah. And it, I understand it has uh, some graffiti on it and things like that, correct? It sure does. And there's actually some very disturbing graffiti uh, that is very racist. And um, I, I purposely did not take any photos of that because I just didn't want that legacy to to persist. Yeah. Also, uh, you you do talk about the Knox mine disaster, which in uh, Luzerne County effectively ended the coal era. And it's so amazing, Lorena. I talked a a little bit before you came on the show about uh, the dedication of the Miners Memorial in Wilkes-Barre, which was held in April, honestly, in this rainstorm that you could not believe. But the spirit, (laughs) the, the brave souls came out and... Um, uh, Bill Hasty was there with his miner's lamp on and uh, is still uh, somebody who is a link to that, even though it happened. It was 59, right? Is that right? I believe it yeah, was. I should go head. back and reread my yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I think about just that kind of legacy. And also, if, if you were there that day with me, I, w- I wish you were, even though it was raining like crazy. Just the spirit of the, the folks who were there who had... Uh, loved ones in their family and names on that wall in Wilkes-Barre now, just uh, so many reduced to tears by what those individuals meant to them. It it was so moving. And the heroism that they displayed during that day. I mean, I don't, you have to really ask yourself, would you be that person that would run back into the mine and save people after you just got out and you know your family's going to be okay now? Would you be able to go back into that mine and jeopardize your family's future, your future, and save, you know, a bunch of elderly minors. I mean, that was just amazing that, you know, you, you hear that heroism and oh, it just gives you, it gives me chills. It really does. And that was one of the stories that actually made me cry during research because I had, I'd never heard about the Knox Mine disaster. And I'm 50. Well, it's about time you learn. Now, the, right. but the thing that you said also in this phone call, which I believe is true, I hope that your book will be used as a classroom tool. And I, I, I know that uh, Arcadia Publishing does a great job. That's your publisher. Thank of, you. They absolutely do. Of doing these historical books. I know uh, a, a guy I had the pleasure of meeting a couple weeks ago just did a book about uh, Agnes and the flood. I would hope that when school resumes in the fall, that somehow these kinds of books are included in a curriculum, I mean, even if it just took one hour out of classroom time to oh, talk agree. about this, it would be fabulous. And it's sad because, you know, you don't even see as many school classes going to, like, the Lackawanna, Lackawanna Coal Mine Tour. And that is just, that blows your mind away when you get down there. That No book can give you what, what happens when you get in that mine. It's just amazing. I mean, I love my pictures in the book, but... It's really hard to capture the essence of what is happening there. You, you you feel you see the dark, you feel the damp. I mean, it's just we need this in our school systems. We really do. And if our families 
are still too hurt by, you know, you know, our descendants that died from black lung or tragically in coal mines or breakers. Then it's this generation, you know, coming up, the millennials, the middle-agers that need to pick up the mantle. And that's what's been so amazing, like you just said, about the, the dedication. These people that dedicate their lives to making to keeping this history alive. I just wrote a book, but there's people like William C. Best with the Huber Preservation, uh, Huber right. Breaker Preservation mm-hmm. Society that are just out there every day making sure people understand what we have and we're losing it so quickly a lot of this physical history yeah bill best is a he's a great guy and i'm glad he's the best i'm glad (laughs) you brought his name into the discussion all right the book is lost coal country of northeastern pennsylvania lorraine it was a pleasure to have you on the show my pleasure thank you you have a you have a signing coming up or a place where people can see you i do i have a signing coming up at the arena hub barnes and noble on September 9th, 2 to 4, and then at Wilkes College, I'm sorry, King's College, I will be having um, actual photos from the book on display. Um, October 6th is the artist reception at the Whitman Gallery. Hope to see you there. Thank you so much. Lorena Benitez. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.